back with episode two of No Ride Around, and this is going to be our first check-in for race prep for the Breck Epic. It is funny to talk here, so it's it, we're January, mm-hmm. and we're talking about race prep for a race in August. And I think before we go any further, we almost need to stop back because, keep in mind, Harley, we're, like, we're geeks about this stuff, yeah. right? So when we talk about, like, hey man, we got a plan, and what's our training schedule, and what's our load phase... A lot of people listening to this and who have listened to the first episode, they don't, you know, they're not on the same plane, right? So if you say, I'm training for this thing in August and it's January, I think some people get it, but I think we need to peel that back just a tiny bit. Sure. Um, I mean, the first thing anybody says, there's, there's layers to it as far as these kind of events go. So do a Leadville and people are like, oh man, that's crazy. I don't know if I could ever do that. The whole tone shifts when it's, I'm going to do the Breck Epic. Oh, are you going to do the three-day or the six-day? I'm going to do the six-day. And then silence. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh. So even people who can conceptualize doing a 50- or 100-mile mountain bike ride or race or event, when you say, yeah, no, I'm going to go do six days in a row, the, the whole tone changes and the – it all goes to, I could never do that. Right. Well, I, anytime you tell somebody about a crazy event you're going to do, I think that's the natural response. People say, I can never do it. First off, anybody listening, like any of you could do it. it. Could you do it well? Could you do it great? Could you compete? But anyone can do it. And I think that's where, that's where we have the great opportunity, I think, in chatting to pull people in to understanding this path we're going to take to August and say, hey, I can see even in my own life maybe it's not a bike race but i can see and glean a lot from understanding what these guys do with training and that's why i kind of want to peel back and say hey that thing you want to do in august no matter what it is probably has to start now and i think we can understand that a little bit more than us talking about a bike race for the next sure and i mean even even for me i in my brain started really prepping whether i was doing of any sort of physical workload through September, October, November, December, I was doing some, but it was all with the mindset that it was, at that point, it was contributing to something a year away. Right. Like when I decided to do the six day break epic, the thought was, I've got 11 months to do this or to get ready for this. Right, well, <laughs> he sounded all superficial because we got headsets on and we're like these podcast guys now. But <laughs> when Harley decided to do the break epic, it was because he goes, dude, the back of the buckle says, Bad motherfucker. So I got to do this race because that buckle is so cool. Like he is ultimate. For as cool and I put together as Harley is, he is a total 100% sold out on a belt buckle. Yeah. yeah initially. I, I am. And it's okay. <laughs> uh, you, call, you referred earlier, we were talking about some other stuff and you referred to yourself as a carrot guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think to a certain extent I am as well. Uh, and, and this time the carrot just happens to be a silly little hunk of metal. But and that's fine though. So, okay. So in training, we're gonna get into training. What we've been doing, doing a check-in. Um, I started as we talked about the last time. I was gonna start this cyclist training bible uh, by this Joe Friel, and I've I've started it. I put down my 2019 goals. I went through the whole deal, and I'm I'm more of a I'll just do everything kind of guy. But this year I've got a focused 
a pro. Like, I mean, I will tell you right now, every single race I'm doing, the goals for those races and what I need to do to get there to peak at the right time. Like, to, this year's being tactical. And part of it was having to read and get educated on and dialed in real legit training. Okay. Yeah. So let me lay this on you real quick before going into what we've been doing for training. I open this thing up. I read the introduction. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. This is the fifth edition. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to talk about training. And then I go to page one. And this is the first sentence. And, and you know it's important because I highlighted it. And I own a <laughs> bunch of books, but I don't highlight in them because I don't reread them because I got a memory of everything. First sentence. You're fully capable at racing at a higher level. Damn it. Damn it. Well, and, and it's funny, we're kind of getting into something that I think is super important. It's important to me. I, in my entire life, despite having done various sports, you know, you do the stuff, you do little league and football and volleyball and softball and all that stuff, kind of because you have to in PE. My whole life, I never really associated as an athlete. And even now, I don't feel like an athlete. Like, I know I am. But I, I, stuff like that really resonates for me because I never, having, even with the things that I have done up to this point, I still never associate myself as being an athlete. I don't feel like I have natural ability, and so I feel like I have to fight and claw. And so when I hear lines like that, it, it, it really finds a center for me. It, like, it really hits home. Yeah, it... What I found is when you, why is it when something's in print, it just is so much more real, right? <laughs> Damn it. Like you open this up and I'm like, I paid for this book and it came in the mail and then it has a sentence that says, you're fully capable of being better. Crap. A, that means I have to really be better, right? Um, but for you to say I'm not an athlete, yet you own more spandex than anybody talking or listening to this podcast <laughs> is first off just crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> But who's to say, but to your point, who's to say what an athlete is? Like, if I don't have a number on my back, I'm not an athlete. Well, here, newsflash, at our gym, at E3, we have pro athletes come in and work out there, mm -hmm. right? That's not our normal market, you know? We deal with real people. But we'll have pro athletes come in. A pro athlete coming into the gym, you would imagine they can do everything, right? But they are so specific at what they're able to do that when we challenge them with stuff that you would have no problem doing, you do it already. You did our power workout this week. You do this stuff already. We challenge them that. They can't do it. I mean, I'm talking like starting linebackers for the Broncos, and they can't do simple exercises that you do on a weekly basis because they are so fine-tuned specific, right, that they just don't have that ability. So the definition of an athlete is wildly up to us, right? Sure. And right now we both are – Guys, training for a goal that is a physical fitness pursuit. What about athlete AF, man? <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think the, the biggest growth for me in my, my fitness pursuits has been the mental side and, and processing different thoughts about who I am, what I am, what I can do, um, and, and shifting that mental focus. But then it still, it still nags back at you, right? Yeah, totally. I mean... The next page of this book, page three, <laughs> says mental performance. There you go. Oh, man. I tell you what, this thing is cool. I'm, I'm jacked that I have it. Um, and I'm jacked that I'm going to be studying through this as you are going through your training as well. Uh, 
because it's going to be cool to see how these things parallel. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I do want to rewind a little bit. I did want to, so we were supposed to be recording this two weeks ago and some things came up and we weren't able to. And I was super excited and super jacked for you because we were going to be recording it a day after you had accomplished a pretty big life goal. And I think it's, it ties into everything. And I, I wanted to get you to talk a little bit about what you and Abby did. Cool. Uh, yeah. Just real quick. Cause it, it's, it's crazy cool. It's a huge accomplishment, both in a big journey and then a single day. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Cause anyhow, there, so there's 54 14ers in the state of Colorado. Okay. There's more of them. There's 58, but 54 official summits. So here in Colorado, we have, bunch of big mountain peaks and doing a 14er or a peak over 14,000 feet is like one of those Colorado things to do. We're going to go hike a 14er. Well, there's 54 of those bastards. And after you do a dozen of them or even 20 of them, you start to think, (laughs) I'm good. Yeah. Some people. And then the lunatics start to think, well, we should do all of them. And that's where Abby and I fall in. So Abby and I, you know, we started out, we weren't, we weren't a couple out of the gate. We were buddies first. And this was one of the buddy things we did. We would hike. It was kind of fun to go and spend time and get to talk to somebody. And inevitably, you hike enough 14ers together and hang out in enough tents and life moves from, <laughs> from camp theory. I've told you about camp theory, camp theory. right? Camp you theory. hang out with a person long enough and you're going to go, You might camp get naked. Theory. You <laughs> might get, and when you get naked in a tent, yep. right? it's purely for warmth initially. Yeah. And then. <laughs> let's, let's keep it family friendly. Okay. So, so I mean, I start hiking these 14ers and we get into them and, um, we end up saying, hey, I think this is a cool goal. And so we made this a goal of ours. We've hiked our first 14er together the summer of 2009. And then since then, we have pursued this dream of, well, let's do all of them. And it's given a lot of, it's given a lot of purpose to our holiday weekends and to our summers. And it's also taken us all over the state. I mean, if I'm having a conversation with somebody about the state of Colorado, they say, hey, have you ever been to insert any city or town that you want? The answer is yes, because to do all of these, you have to Pretty much, other than the Eastern Plains, which don't even really exist. No, that's uh, Western Kansas. Yeah, you just go there <laughs> to get somewhere that you didn't really want to go to anyway. So, um, all the cool areas we've been to. So, we're down to the last one. And so, we had one left to do. It's called Culebra Peak. It's down south, south in the state. So, it's nine miles north of the New Mexico border. And it's on private land. And there's a lot of hubbub about this being on private land because they do charge a fee to go and climb it. And so I've even been part of that talk, like, man, you can charge a fee, it's a mountain. Well, it's a mountain on property they own. Yeah. So that's the way the world works. Deal with it. Yeah, right? Like, if they find something cool in my backyard tomorrow, it's mine, and I'm going to sell it to somebody. So <laughs> um, so anyhow, we got to do this last 14er, and we tried to do it in the fall, and it didn't work out. They had closed it for hunting season. Um, we tried to even then, we were like, well, we'll just wear a bunch of orange, and we'll get the mountain from the backside. There's this thing called Operation Dark Snake, and you can traverse like a eight or 10 13ers and you can get this 14er from the backside and you go it's 22 miles and it's just an epic adventure to do right so we tried it and uh we hiked for about 42 minutes started crashing lightning started hailing on us we beelined it back to the truck and wasted an entire day driving round trip for something that didn't work out so we're kind of at this point where this final 14er is frustrating nothing to do with this thing but we got to finish it so um Fast forward, the first weekend in January was the first time they allowed anyone to go and do this. So it's January 5th, 
And Abby and I decided, hey, we're going to go do this 14er. And so I start reaching out to the ranch and I pay the fee. It's 150 bucks a person to do it. And they give me the details. And this is all done on Friday afternoon. And they say, hey, you got to be here by 6 a.m. Cool. It's four hours away. So that means we're leaving early. Set an alarm for 1.25 in the morning. We get up. We're out the door at 1.45. We drive down there. We're in the middle of the desert, middle of nowhere. It's 5 a.m. We're sitting outside of a, a gate they told us to park up to. And when I'm saying this is the middle of nowhere, I mean, we're in the desert. You don't have phone service. And you're parked in front of a metal gate. And that's it. Yeah. Wow. Two other trucks are there. It's covered in snow. It's cold. It's like four degrees outside. And we're able to park, change clothes, and just kick it for a little bit. 6 a.m., the gate opens. We check in. 6.45 a.m., myself and Abby and another group of four are all on skins, and we're going to skin in with our skis to do this mountain. So I have some friends who have never been outside of Louisiana or even the deep south. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell is a skin? Okay. <laughs> Just real quick. Deal. So a skin's like one-way carpet. So one-way carpet, if you, you can slide it forwards, but... If you try to go backwards, it grips. Got it. So they stick to the bottom of your skis, and it allows you to kind of cross-country ski up uphill, a hill, right? Up a hill, and up a steep hill. I mean, we gain. So you don't have to hike. You can, in theory, move yeah. a little bit more efficiently. You move efficiently. You move smoother. And honestly, in some areas, it is slower than hiking because you're lugging the. I mean, it's heavier equipment. You have skis mm -hmm. and boots. But the upside is, once you're at the top, turn around. Gravity does the work. Right. Right. So it's six forty-five in the morning. Suns come up. We start skinning. And uh, because it's wintertime, now this is how crazy this deal was. There's no information of this online. Like the beta for the mountain is very minimal, especially in the winter because a lot of people don't do it in the winter. So we're trying to figure out information and it's very clipped. A lot of it was just go there and figure it out. So Well, and that gets dicey, right? Because of avalanche conditions. All of it. Just a ton of different factors that you can't know. Yeah, it's private land. So, you know, out here we have the CAIC, the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. They don't have any information <laughs> on a private mountain. Sure. So it's just kind of go, right? So this mountain has a, a reputation of being what they call a sleeping giant. Where it's pretty easy. You kind of just walk up it. Well, whoever wrote that never went there in the winter. Because in the wintertime, they close the road. There is no road that accesses you to the mountain. You have to skin on, the, on your skis on a snowmobile trail that they packed down for us. To get to the start. To get to the, the start of the mountain. And what's, what's the starting elevation? So the, the ranch is at like 7,000 feet. Okay, but the hike start, and I say start, I'm using quote fingers that you can't hear. <laughs> the, start, the start is four miles away, uphill. So, so before you even really start the 14er, you got you've four You've gone miles. four miles of skinning. We've climbed already, you know, 25 to 2,800 feet of elevation gain just to get to the start. Okay, but it's all packed down. They've taken snowmobiles and they packed it down. So it's not that it's easy, but it's easier than I imagine fresh snow for fresh the whole snow, year. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so we're skinning up there. Um, we're doing great. I'm super impressed with my wife because this is the first time she's skinned this year. She also first time on on her skis. Period. This year, she hadn't skied yet this year, and uh, we're out in the cold. I mean, it's cold, right? So we're trucking along, and I'm super jacked. She keeps going. So skin, skin, skin. We get all the way. We get to the start of the actual hike. And we're already three hours in, okay? Well, the other group of four shows up at the same time. They're a little bit behind us. They catch up with us. We're all at the start. And then we have to look at the mountain and say, okay, how, how are we going to get up there? So we're using trip reports from people who hike it in the summertime and trying to like parallel it to winter. Well, the one upside to skinning in the winter or climbing out in the winter is you can go any way you want. Because now there's not like rocks and gullies and things that you have to 
traverse around, you can just go straight because it's all covered in snow. Mm-hmm. But it's covered in snow. So there's like two, three feet of snow built up for the season and we have to cut our way through. So anyhow, we cut our way through. Um, I'm dragging this out a little bit. but we How many get, hours start to finish? We started 6.45 a.m. sliding on skis. We got back to the car at 5.30 p.m. But then also to be clear, your day home. started at 1.30 in the morning. 1.25 a.m. I woke up. At 9.15 p.m. I got back home. Did you even get into pajamas to sleep? Oh, no. Yeah. So keep in mind, we climbed a mountain for freaking 10 hours, 10 and a half hours. So I had a shower. I had to do the deal. And at this point, I've probably taken down 56 ounces of cold brew. So I got about 56 ounces of cold brew in my system over the course of the day. And not much food. So a lot was learned on the trip, both by myself and Abby. Um, I'm just going to kind of put it on front street here. So we had 10 and a half hours of moving time to do this whole hike. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, of trip time to do the hike. I had six hours of moving time. So I had four and a half hours of other being there time. <laughs> so, so, the, so the trip was, we talked about mental performance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyhow, we did the whole deal. It required a bunch of stuff. I ended up making it up to this ridge line. Abby was really struggling with the skins. Like I said, it was her first time doing it. She'd mm-hmm. never done high alpine before. She's never been up there, never had ice axes and crap. A lot of X factors for her. Okay, tons of stuff. Like this is, she's completely out of her element. So I get to the top of this ridge line. I actually get phone service. And at this point, I had cut in a trail for the entire group to follow. For everybody else. Yeah. So I'm through powder. Like, I'm driving and grinding the trail. So I get it. And I get all the way to the top. And yes, I, I broke off from the group. And I didn't stay with them. And I get to the top. And I look back at this beautiful trail that I've cut in. And my phone, like, beep, beep. I pull it up. And I look. And it's a text message from a wife who must have gotten service. And uh, she says, uh, you are the most selfish person I've ever met. Oh, no. <laughs> so, oh, great. And now I'm a little perturbed. And you're, of course, thinking, look what I did for you guys. Exactly. I made this path. The leader broke the path. Yeah. Follow me. Yeah. No. I was a shepherd. No. Anyhow, so she sent me this text message. She goes, you're the most selfish. And so I look down, and I can see her. And she, now, at this point, she's about 1,500 vertical feet below me on this face. And I see her slipping and really struggling. And mm. I can just imagine where she's at. I'm like, dude, this is not cool. So I had already planned to do this, but I strip my skins and I ski down to where she is. And at this point, I'm thinking, we're going to throw in the towel. Um, we've gotten kind of this far and we're realizing maybe we've bit off more than we can chew together to do this. And so we'll come back in the summertime. So I'm going to throw in the towel. And so I stop at her and, and I say this. I say, well, you throw it in. And she looks at me with this defiance and goes, I am climbing this, insert expletive, mountain today. No matter what, is what she says. And so I kind of, in my mind, I'm thinking, (laughs) how? You know? Right. Um, How you can do this? And so, but she was so determined. I go, okay, I can help you out. So uh, I go, take your skis off. Take your skis off. I take my skis off. And I say, just start walking up this big face. So she starts boot packing, walking up the face. I look at two sets of skis in my little piddly backpack that I have and realize that I'm going to have to carry all this stuff up to the top. And so I do, I pack it all on there. I throw it on my shoulders. I carry it up. We get to the top. And then we have this real come to mountain moment yeah. because we realized the top of where we were was not the top of the mountain. And we had another oh, two no. hours, about two hours, 2.15, my estimate of hiking in ski boots on the top of rock snow, mixed rock snow on a ridge line above 13,000 feet with a healthy 20 to 30 mile an hour crosswind just begging to blow you off the side of the hill. And also 
Burning Daylight. Burning Daylight. Both of her her heels were covered in blisters at this point. Mm-hmm. Each step was painful. And so we have this moment where she kind of walks to where I'm at and we take a few steps and we, and I kind of have a, the force foreshadowing to say, Hey, like we could be really dangerous if we don't make a good decision here. So do you want to do this? And she's, she's kind of like in tears this moment. And she goes, yeah, I, I want to. And I was like, well, okay, well wanting to at this point isn't enough because we just, we have to. If we're going to try, because what we can't do is like want to for another hour and then decide we can't and then be in a real bad situation with even less daylight mm-hmm. and, and less food, less water, less everything daylight, across everything, the board, yeah. right? So you have to, you have to say you're going to, not that I want to. And, and she says through tears, well, I want to, and I want to try. I think I can. And I go, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's not and it. like, this was a moment where I was not the hallmark husband, right? Like, I love you no matter what, babe. I was not that guy. So we have to get each other to say, I am going to do this. And when we get each other to say, I'm going to do this, and more importantly, when I get Abby to def- with that same defiance look at me and say, I'm going to do this. Get mad at it. She got, that's exactly what, that's funny. That's exactly what I said to her. I said, turn your anger and turn your fury into motivation. Because up to this point, you've been in pain, yeah? She goes, yeah, it hurts to take a step. I go, cool. When you stop taking steps, does the pain go away? She goes, no. I go, No. And it's only going to go away when this is over. And we've just determined that we're going to do this. We're not going to try. We're going to do it. And dude, sure as shit, she boot packs and kick steps and hikes the whole damn thing. Now, I'm not saying it was easy for me, but anytime you do something at not your pace, you're able to take a lot more breaks maybe and whatnot, it isn't as challenging. But for her, I could see the pain on her face as she struggled through. And every time she stops, I'm like, is it helping you to stop? You know? Yeah. And she's like, foot me off. And like, I hate you. <laughs> um, so she not only got mad at the mountain, she got a little mad at you. Oh yeah. She actually, and she'll tell you this as well. So I'd, she actually at a couple points said, I would rather be dead right now. Oof. That's a, that's a dark place. She was in a dark place. She was, here's how dark her place was. I had sour gummy bears. Like, like gummy bears Which is not self. a thing Justin would ever no, I really carried it ever for have. her. I carried it for her. <laughs> I had to because I knew it was like a, it was my magic, my magic jelly beans. <laughs> so I was like trying to hold them just in front of her nose to keep her going and even sour gummy candy. And if you know my wife, it. she loves the sweet. It, no, wasn't cutting it. But it was Abby defiance. and I have bonded over our shared love of gummy treats. Dude, I'll tell you, if I had a list of names of people Abby's bonded with over ice cream, pizza, gummy treats, <laughs> wrong with you guys? Well, to, uh, to use your term, we're, we're clearly not adults. Not adults. No, adults don't eat like that. Adults do not eat no. that. Pizza either. No, adults don't eat pizza. So. Well, let's wrap this part up. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wanted to bring it up. It, I, it was just huge, and I, I, I've had no hand in it whatsoever, but I just thought it was crazy cool to – to accomplish the 54, to accomplish what sounded like a super grueling day. I mean, 10 hours in the cold, up at 1.30. I actually, I was, Colin was at the gym that night, and he's like, I had texted you about something. I was like, I don't know, Justin's like, just ghosted me on something. He's like, I don't know, he just said he got some permit and like ran out of the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how it went. Yeah, okay, so I I think the point behind telling the story was this. Um, You hear the story and you think, wow, all 54 14ers, such a huge accomplishment. I will tell you, as I sit here right now, I am like, yep, I did them because there were 54 of them, and I set my head to do it. Now, 
I'm not trying to discount that. What you're, I'm saying is you're diminishing it a little bit, but what, I, I get what you're saying. What I'm saying is that already happened. Mm-hmm. Like when I knew that there was a goal to do them all, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm gonna do them all. That is going, and I think as we look at the Breck Epic in these coming months of training, you know, if we were going in this like, man, I don't know if I'm in shape and whatnot. If I'm in shape, I'll sign up for it as the event. Like we're already all like locked in and we're rolling, you know, and we're talking about. So there's a silent confidence that comes when you're just like. No, yeah, I've already, I mean, I got the buckle on. Yeah, I'm already wearing it. I'm already wearing the buckle. It's already stage seven, and yeah. I'm done, and I'm, I'm, I'm drinking yeah. and having a good time. And I think that's the only way that you're able to do the training that we're talking about doing. Visualization. Visualization, <clears throat> visualization is good, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, New Orleans Public Schools, folks. <laughs> um, it, it's a huge part for me. Again, just tying back around to my own mental hangups about my physical acumen getting into the mental game is huge for me. So living in that spot where it's already after the race and we're already high-fiving is wildly important for me. Yeah. So, and speaking of that, you have amped up the training since this has become real. Yeah. I, uh, last year was a weird year for me. I, I didn't, last year was a little embarrassing when it comes to, overall fitness, riding bikes. And for years and years and years, I thought I wasn't the kind of guy that needed the carrot to just stay in shape. Um, And last year with opening the business, I almost gave myself an excuse or a gimme. Dude, there's no way I can race this year. I got got a new business to worry about. I I got to wrap my head around that. Fast forward six months and fed myself a line for sure. (laughs) Not to say that running a business or starting a new business is easy, but there was time. Yeah. And there's just work to do. That's all all there is to it. January 1, I knew that it was just time to go to work. So let's let's verify that. You actually, you're like, hey, dude, I'm going to have to be in the gym on the 1st of January because I got this big ride. And I need the data, and I'm gonna I'm gonna need to come into the gym. I know it's not open. I actually didn't. I was you. We were talking, and you yeah. said you have a you have a workout tomorrow, don't you? And I think it just snowed, or the weather was yeah. terrible, or something. I said, "Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow." You're like, "No, bro, Joe's gym's closed, bro." <laughs> <laughs> I was all like, "Oh, Justin, being the rock star that he is, let me get in there anyway." Um, and you did the same thing on. What did we do? Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Yeah, we did. We did a. We did a Christmas Day. Um, so, yeah, you know, Harley in August of eighteen <laughs> is not going Christmas Day. No, no, doing no chance. Ride. No, not a chance. But I think we talked, or I heard you talking earlier about. Oh no, it was in a Troxler's podcast, which we'll mention right. later again. Diminishing something by by referring to it as a video game. Oh yeah. I'm a avid video gamer. If it's not bikes, it's video games. <laughs> um, and so that actually plays really strongly for me. And so when I set a goal of, okay, January, my goal number is 400 miles on the bike, indoor, outdoor, however you can get them, got across that finish line, bonus points if you hit 450. That sort of stuff plays really well for me and keeps me committed to the long goal. Micro goals are really good for me. And so understanding 
that December, I couldn't just have a cold start. Right. I couldn't just jump in January 1 and be like, oh, dude, I'm, I know I rode 500 and something miles all of last year, and I'm going <laughs> to ride 400 miles this month. That's a little silly, right? Um, so I felt the need to really get into that commitment mindset, commit to the, the work that had to happen between that point in time and August 11th. Okay. So let me ask you this then, because so you've, you've undergone quite a bit of, let's just say you opened more doors that have been, that were closed in 2018. Big time. So not only are you riding consistently and you have this goal for these, this mileage this month, but you've also started in gym training as well. Started lifting again and God damn, I missed it, man. Like, and I don't even, it's just, it's so dumb. Like brains are stupid. <laughs> and I wish, I wish, so hang on here. I wish people could see the person that just said this. So for those of you that have never met Harley and you've stumbled across this podcast through a referral or you've seen it, when he says, man, I missed lifting, realize like right now, he's in a pair of 5'10 shoes, a flannel, and he's wearing glasses and his hair is like perfectly combed over to the side. So like when we talk about like a meatball, I can't wait that I lifted weights. Not for nothing, bro. Like, that's not... It's not me. No. It never will be me. No, <laughs> no danger of... We said video games. Yeah. Video, video games and bikes, guys. <laughs> okay. let's, let's be real about what's but happening But you just here. said, man, I missed lifting those weights. But it's... So, we've talked... To, we did it last year as kind of one of the first things that we co-branded at Basecamp. We did a, an endurance racing 101. And one of the things we talked about was mental matches, burning those mental matches. You only got so many, there's only, only so many in the pack. And I even felt myself, we're 16 days into this training and just being on the bike was already starting to wear me out a little bit. Yeah. So, and I, I had a plan. Um, I didn't really ever vocalize it to anybody. I knew I, I was going to get back into the gym and pick up some weights and, and do some in-gym training aside from just being on the bike. And this was the week for it. And in, in my mind, I had this kind of gradual build into this. And this week was, the, it was sweet relief in a certain way. I, I, I enjoy on bike training. It's a little monotonous, especially when you're piling so many miles in inside, whether it's at my house, at E3 on the bikes, it, it helps when we do the group suffer fests and we have a bunch of people doing it. But on Monday, after I did an in-gym workout, it was just me and the bike for an hour and 20 minutes. And that, that grinds on the soul a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rather than burning a mental match in January and just, oh, I'm just going just gonna to ride bikes. Yeah, let's go grab some kettlebells. And... Right. Work out with other people. You know, on those bikes, I'm looking at the same people's butts all the time. The fucking Colin in front of me and Holly off to one side and, you know, my buddy Mark on the other side. Like, go to go do a, a, a lifting workout and, and you got a new group of people to look different at. Butts. Different butts. Different um, butts. Doing different things. Doing different things. And, and I think that's it, you know, just the how dynamic the workouts are. It just keeps it fresh and... It, it's too early to be to to be burning mental matches. All right, so I'm so glad you said it that way because I think that's better than the way I was thinking about what's going on for me with the bike riding. I have done 
one indoor ride this week. Just one. Uh, did it with Colin. Did a Sufferfest. And we hammered it. It was awesome, right? It was awesome. I planned to do one today. I was going to do a quick little workout we call cardio. It was like core and cardio. I was going to do that. And then I was going to just hammer a quick one inside. And even though we have brand new bikes, and I don't know if we can plug this or not, we have brand new bikes from Stages Cycling. Plug them. They are un- they're awesome. Compared to the bikes that were before the last ones were awful. Yeah. The last ones were decent. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to say that the bikes that we have right now are if you got to ride a bicycle inside and it's not your personal bike on a trainer, the stages is probably the best one I've, yeah. I've sat on. They're, they're, Incidentally, they haven't paid for anything or given us no. anything free. It, that's just a legitimate, hey, I gotta, I'm going to put 1,000 miles on a bike inside this year, and it's a good bike. <laughs> yeah. Not only did they not pay us, we actually had to buy all the bikes. So <laughs> it was, but, so I, but I looked at it today, and the workout I was doing had, had some jumping and this and that, and my legs were already tired. You know, I've done a performance workout this week. I've done one cycling workout this week. I've done a strength upper workout this week. I was doing this cardio workout now. And uh, I had a huge weekend last weekend. And so anyhow, I looked at the bike and I'm like, I, I can't get on that bike. And so I am already looking at all the mileage that needs to get done in the way we have to do it when it's has snowed here. And I'm like, to the point that I didn't do it today. I did another strength upper. And... I'm going to go ride Buff Creek tomorrow on my fat bike. There you go. Because I got to get the spirit of it back. Well, and I, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a big question. So you have an amazing base fitness compared to myself or to Colin or, you know, a lot of the people that I typically ride with. So I'm willing to bet that you can kind of have a less – like the goals aside, if we're just right. – if we strip away – the single speed podium for Leadville 100 and we strip away LaRue to Mexico and LaRue to Costa Rica. If we strip all that away, um, I've been kind of curious to know how much do you fall back? Like in the back of your head, um, what are your stop gaps? Like in the back of your brain, when plan A doesn't happen, what's the fallback position? Is it for you? Do you feel like in a certain sense you can, Take the fitness you've cultivated over X amount of time, plus the mental toughness you've cultivated over that same amount of time, and just kind of fall back to that and not really be as analytical as you're planning on being with the, the training Bible? The answer to your short answer is yes, if I'm content with the type of success that I've had to this point. Okay. I think that for me, I've gotten to a point where. I have my first, so we're doing Old Man Winter, February 10th. Yeah, it's super soon. Super soon, three right? weeks. 100 kilometers on a, we're going to do them on gravel bikes. Gravel bikes, 6,000 feet. 6,000 feet of climbing. We're going to be on road, you're going to be on gravel, there's a little section of single track. It's, it's variable based on weather. We don't know what it's going to be on February 10th. Could be dry and sunny, could be, could be awful. a blizzard. We don't know. I'm going to do it on a single speed, Right. <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, incidentally, uh, I just put bigger gears on my gravel bike. <laughs> <laughs> with the opposite direction. <laughs> so, so, we have that February 10th, but and I'm not going to skip over that event because we'll talk about that as it comes. But on March 9th, I have my first 100-mile geared mountain bike race, uh, True Grit Epic in St. George, Utah. It's the first race of the NUE series that another one of my goals this year is to win the NUE series, the National Ultra Endurance Series. 
four 100 mile. Well, there's multiple. There's like eight races, nine races. But they'll take your top, your top position, top finish on four of those hundreds. And whoever has the most points accumulated in their best four finishes wins the series. If you win the series, you get free entry into Laruda, Costa Rica. And it's also one step closer to another 2019 goal, which is to get my pro card, to get a pro designation. So, so the answer is, yeah, sure, you could. Good. But you're not going to. Not going to hit my goal. Here's the thing, because I'm not going to hit my goal. Right. I, what is the first sentence in that book said? You can be better than you are right now, period. doesn't even matter. If the best, if Sagan picked that book up right now and read that first sentence, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Shit. Right? He's a world champion. Yeah. Cha- like, he's going to read that and be like, you're absolutely right. Well, of course, anytime I put more attention to anything, it's definitely going to be better. And the main reason I didn't get a cycling coach is because I feel like I've gotten really far without one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that if I put the attention that these training programs, this doesn't matter if you're sore or not, just get on the bike, will force us to get around the community that the four of us have on this training. Golly, I think those goals could be possible. But right. no, can I go ride? I'd go ride a 100-mile mountain bike race tomorrow. Sure. I'm not going to win it. Right. And that's, again, podium, single speed, Leadville 2019. That's, that's, the, that's big. That's huge. So, well, then that, that brings me into something um, that... I'm always curious how you, you process and what you think of commitment versus motivation. Do you think motivation is worth it? Or do you think you have to just be committed to the goal? Do you think motivated to like, to me, they're two very different things, right? Different. Like I got to put this music, get jacked up, get motivated, go to the gym right? or just be committed to going to the gym. Well, it's the same thing we just said about those 54, 14ers. Was I motivated to wake up and go do all those? No, even with the cold brew. No, like in a <laughs> no amount of cold brew no, in the world. Like but I'm but it's going to happen. Okay. P- like p- motivation, dude, that thing that ebbs and flows. It's fl- it yeah. It's, it's, it's and if you're relying on that, dude, that's a that's bad. a weather swing. It's bad. Can't do it. Um actually cuz you just got jacked up for lifting weights. You actually got me kind of motivated in this moment to go lift weights myself. That's my least favorite type of training at all is lifting weights. Uh, I like to go do adventures. I was yeah. asked in, in Troxler's podcast, she goes, if you could do any workout on the planet right now, what would be the work? I said, a point-to-point adventure. Yeah. And I needed to like, explain that because she had no clue what I meant by point. I mean, go get in the muck, man. Like, go figure it out. Go, be- go drag your two buddies from Kenosha to Breckenridge. <laughs> yeah, on a training <laughs> ride. And fe- no, not a training ride. <laughs> like the last feel-good ride before yeah. Leadville 100. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like, we got to get one last big one in, boys. And in years gone by, I'd always done one that was like, all right, I'll do 50 miles, and I'll, I'll come off, and I'll feel like a rock star. We did this 36-mile slog. <laughs> Justin was trying every trick he had. All right, guys, here's these, these chocolate-covered espresso beans. These are magic See? motivation beans. Dude, sour gummy bears, chocolate-covered. <laughs> I always keep, when I ride with other people, I always got a secret snack stash. That's just enough magic. So, so, Justin, two things. Knows his audience. <laughs> <laughs> and two is the king of snacks. King of snacks. So, um, but, yeah, no. So, so commitment. I mean, I mean that's, where you, that's, that's where you're at, too, right? I mean, I have to commit. Like, to me, there's fun in it. But, like I said, January 1, I had to punch the time card. It's time to do work. 
you know, and that, that sounds cliche, hashtag do work, whatever, but like there's work to be done to get to this thing. And each four week block or eight week block, or, you know, I've got my, my January goal of mileage and workouts, but then I have my, my, my first race check-in, which is old man winter. You just got to come to me, for me, I have to commit to it. I can't, I can't half-heartedly say, I'm going to, uh, you know, I guess I'll do old man winter and see how I feel. And then maybe I'll do Ridgeline Rampage. Do you know how many people say that? I think a lot. Most. We're going to do another episode on that here shortly, uh, which is going to just talk about, like, you can be a high-performing recreational athlete, Mm -hmm. and you can have the advantages of that, and you can take yourself seriously and and push, right? Uh, I, Okay. You have a goal of 400 miles for January. How many miles did you ride in December? Uh, 80. How many miles did you ride in November? Maybe 80, maybe 60. Right. Okay. 400, right? Yeah. Now, for anybody keeping track, I'm at about 260. So you're getting there. I, I might, I'll yeah. probably crush it. Probably crush Bonus it, points. smash it. Yeah. yeah. So will you stop when you hit 400? No, no. I'm not. a training gonna... program. Yeah. So my and point. I just got the calendar for that. Thank you, Taruki. <clears throat> You have two days on Mondays. Two days on Mondays, and then there is a dot on every day of the calendar. Yeah. So when we talk about this goal, your goal of this 400 miles, for you to to do that based on who you've been through 2018, now, again, you weren't a bad person, right? It was just different focuses. Just different, yeah. But for you to be successful in this January goal, you have to be a new human being. This goal will will change you and you will be a different person because of this goal. Abby, when she looked at me and had defiance and at the ridge line, at the ridge rather, and she says, I am going to do this finally. Now, mind you, she was swinging her ski poles like a, like a, a Benny Hanna chef on PCP. <laughs> All right. So she's just swinging them like, da, 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 da. and I had to like grab her arms and be like, Hey, do you want to break these poles? Cause it'd be very hard to get home without them. But when she finished that trip, when we got back to the car, and she had the glorious cold cut sandwich that I had waiting for her. Dude, <laughs> I will fuck up a ham and cheese on white bread. So, <laughs> so when we sat down in that car, we drove away. She was a different human being. Sure. And, and today, you know, we're 10 days, 11 days removed from that. She's a different human being because of that event. That was a goal worth having. I think the guy who goes, we'll see how I do. Oh, my winner. And then maybe Ridge on Rampage. He go do those events. He's not going to be a different person. The thing with... Ma- Making goals is if you have a laundry list of 36 goals, you haven't made not one of those things is going to make you a new human. If you have one to three goals, nasty, unbelievably impossible, I have never ever done this before. Goals, when you complete them, you'll be a completely different person. That's commitment and it's not motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And the motivation thing, it, it's fun to get like, to go and do a lifting session and have good music on and get motivated for that. But the, the overall commitment to the thing, I think, is what keeps the one foot in front of the other for me. Yeah, you know, you made it. We, so we, before we came here, we were over at E3 and getting ready to head over, and I, I made a smoothie, and we were chatting, and one thing Harley brought up was, uh, hey, you know, I want to try to do all this, of course, and I don't want to, at the end of this, come August, I don't want to only have four friends. And it's like, you and Colin and Roger <laughs> and like 
Mo, maybe? Uh, you no, had... I mean the four. I, I, I was being, I was counting myself okay, as one of my friends. <laughs> so yeah, you, you were just, you were like, I don't want to be stuck with just four friends and like a, an estranged wife that hates me and a dog that says like, I like walks. Yeah. You remember well, me? That's a big danger, I think, of going on these journeys. Is you know, it doesn't work. You know, I, I'm, I've got a crazy supportive wife. You do too. Um, it doesn't work if that doesn't happen, right? Um, but that's a big fear. I think, you know, fear doesn't enter into this a lot. I'm not scared of riding a mountain bike. I'm not scared of going down a hill. Um, the bigger fears is letting important relationships suffer because I got psychotic about some bike race. Yeah. And, and, you know, before you and I were, were, became as close as we are now and, our training was intertwined as intertwined as it is now. Um, when it was Clint training me on the one-on-one sessions and, uh, when we, when it really got down to crunch time, he said something that made a lot of sense to me at the time, which was, Hey man, anybody who's not championing this, tell them to go pound sand. Yeah. But that's a really lonely, isolating way to be, but you have to be it. Like the people around you, have to be as good as you are or as committed as you are to the the thing that you're trying to accomplish. So this this cyclist training Bible that I've started digging into, uh, it starts off with, and he even says, he goes, listen, I'm going to talk about the mental stuff for the first couple of chapters, and then we'll move past that. We'll get to training plans and lactate thresholds and all kinds of fun stuff, right? But we got to talk about the mental side of it. And he goes, even those of you that think you have this lockdown, uh, but pay attention, ears up, right? And I feel like, at least I've created the character who I feel to be true and real, <laughs> which is super jacked up, mental toughness, mental fortitude. I read this chapter after snapping on my wife in role as an employee at the time mm-hmm. in the gym space for something so small and so minuscule. And I just came across a Winston Churchill quote the other day that said, a man is only as big as the things that make him angry. Mm-hmm. And I would just got lit earlier today. And then I sit down to eat my tuna salad with plantain chips. I'm an adult again at lunch. And I read this chapter on mental performance. And I thought after having that interaction, I don't have those very often. It was, it was, I would like to think an anomaly. I thought I have a lot of growth I can do mentally too. If I just get out of my own way mm-hmm. and accept some things, but I wanted to give you an answer when you asked me that question that would make you feel good. Like, no, dude, we're going to do, we'll still have the balance. The answer is we, we aren't without their understanding. And even with their understanding, there's a quote that says, uh, this author writes, I can tell you that you'll never achieve the highest levels of performance without some degree of obsession. The top athletes in the world are highly committed to their goals. That's a requirement for achieving success at anything in life that's difficult to attain. And then he fast forward a little bit and says, basically, by the end of your pursuit, right? Everything in your life from food to friends and beyond must be focused on that goal. Yeah. And it truly is. If it's a goal that is going to change you as a person, there is a commitment that is in the way that you eat, breathe, sleep, talk, and interact. Now, it doesn't need to make us assholes. Sure. Right? Uh, We will be at times. There's going to be times where you're selfish and you're like, no, I can't go do that thing because I have to be in bed at nine o'clock and I have to eat this thing. So oh, that for your I, stupid bike race? Yeah, there's going to be those days. Right? Yeah, and it, it, it may not be the, 
the, the, the canned, naggy wife voice. It might be, oh, bro, you, you mean you can't come hang out tonight? Like, it's going to oh. be a friend. It's going to be a spouse or a significant other. Like, there's some point, it's probably gonna be multiple your, times. It's going to be yourself. Yeah. This is where we forget that, you know, we forget oftentimes that when we commit to a priority number one, right? What is right underneath priority number one? Is priority number two, right? Yep. I like number two a lot. Like, what's your favorite burger in town? Boom, this one. Yeah. What's your second favorite burger in town? Boom, that one's awesome too. Yeah. Cool. You can eat the first one, but you can never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever again eat the second one the rest of your life. Right. Damn, dude, that's a drag. That's rough. But you're like, well, wait a second. You already said which one was your best. Yeah, I know, but like, I like the other one too. Right. And that is where we will fight with ourselves because priority number two is awesome. I love it. Yeah. But it's going to get hammered. Just nailed down and thwarted for me right now it's skiing right right like i'm, I'm supposed to go i actually got a text message as we've been talking here i'm supposed to go skiing tomorrow and i was like i'm gonna blow this guy off i'm not gonna ski with him uh, i'm gonna go ride the bike because i need to find my spirit again i right. i've been inside for two weeks and i'm gonna go crazy <laughs> I lose my mind okay so i need to go ride outside and he just sent me a text message and not only am i supposed to ski with him tomorrow but would now have Hey man, my buddy's gonna be with us. He's good friends with the ski patrol. We're gonna get fresh rope drops all day. So it's gonna be sick day. Unbelievable. No friends on powder days. Dude, it's gonna be get out of my way with the ski patrol. Yeah. So I mean, you're literally taking down runs that people just are salivating to try to ski. And I'm I'm but basically red carpet. But tomorrow that's number two. Tomorrow that's number two, man. And. And that's a really, really good number two. It, it's awesome. <laughs> it's many people's number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's a ton of people that would be like, oh, I'll get that, that bike time later. Yeah. But today I made a negotiation by not doing the indoor bike and said, I'm going to do this outdoor bike tomorrow. And not only is it an outdoor bike, I'm going three hours. Three hours. Probably going to be cutting fresh. In the snow. Snow track. It's going to probably be snowing, actually. And I'm going to do it because... I also signed up and do a fat bike race this weekend as well. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Saturday. I, dude, I'll tell you what, they're silly, but second most fun on two wheels. Cyclocross racing is just gnarly fun. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I have a lot more right now for this particular one. I think one of the original plans for these race check-ins was going to be body metrics and, and that sort of stuff. Um, I haven't really been able to find the time to get over and we don't have any of the other race team people uh, on this particular episode. Um, well, here's what we're going to do. So we had talked about saying, hey, let's do a, let's do a training check-in. The truth is the ball is getting rolling. Yeah. We're getting yeah. comfortable with what's my rhythm going to be? Um, what do I see as like potential hurdles for me? Like, like I just said, just that. And again, we, we said not motivation, but the, the idea of, of having fun for me, I have to ride outside to force myself to understand why I ride inside. Sure, um, it's it's very hard for me to to not have that. And the, so, uh, yeah, I, and I I do too. Um, I think a little less so than you. Um, I know it's it's nagging on Colin a decent bit right now that he can't get out and ride his mountain bike. He's pretty grumpy about that, um, which I get. Um, but to me, it's all just building momentum yeah. so that when the trails are dry or when I get to go to Sedona at the beginning of February, ride mountain bikes down there. He said, he said when he gets to go, and I'm not. 
I'm just gonna go too. <laughs> so <Uninvited. we're> doing, <laughs> So, so uh, you know, we opened this uh, this bike shop here in Denver uh, this last April, and uh, we had I, I can't even believe the success we had this year, and that was all due to the staff. And so the story is that uh, back in August, uh, my business partner Sam and I were gonna take a one day trip to Canada to go visit Norco. Um, and it was going to cost a lot of money. And when we really broke it down, the decision was there was a greater value in diverting that money towards a reward for the whole shop for kicking ass and taking names. So company retreat down to Sedona to ride bikes. There's, I, I just, the trail report today, uh, 303 Trail Monitor said, Sedona is perfect. If you want to ride in dry dirt, come on down here and have yeah. you guys picture bikes all over the place. So super excited for that. Um, but, I, you know, again, mentally, um, not to say that Colin doesn't have a strong mental game because the guy's tough as hell. Um, but I think I've just endured more winters of indoor training. So yeah. it doesn't grate on me the way I think it does him. And likewise for me, I, I don't have a lot of experience Indoor training. Yeah. I mean, I don't even own a trainer. Yeah. I mean, I've been riding a bike indoors since 2000. I think I got a, I never owned a trainer until I lived here, but 2005, 2006, bet your sweet ass. I, I bought one real quick. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, I don't want to say like, ho, ho, mo, I got to, you know, no, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I can ride a bike at all. Um, it just doesn't bother me. I know a lot of people get super grumpy about riding an indoor bike, but. Well, it's impressive because you say it'll be, well, I'll be at the shop at 6.30 p.m. And you'll say, hey, I got, you know, I got a rollers workout tonight. And then, mm -hmm. sure as crap, I look at my Strava and it says rollers and you've done a ride. Or I've looked at the MyZone and I see heart reminder. So you, you're getting it in. Yeah. Uh, super consistently. I haven't missed a workout since Christmas Eve. So I'm getting them in also. I'm a little all over the map. Yeah. With in-gym training versus bike training in gym versus bike training outside versus uh, skinning and doing some schemo stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that was schemo stuff. That's short for ski mountaineering. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's another term for the guys that wear We wear yeah. spandex also when we do that, and we race skis yeah. uphill, and then you don't really care much about the downhills, about how fast you can get up. And I have a race for that in March also. So that, That's not Grand Traverse. Yeah. It is? Okay. Yeah. That's so, a big ski race. We'll talk about that as, yeah, uh, maybe on the next uh, training check-in. So for checking for you, and I'm watching Roger on Strava too. Yeah. So I got a got a. So again, if, if anybody's catching this one but didn't catch the first kind of intro, um, I Justin's got his own background and he's kind of dissecting cycling training and he's coming at it himself. I'm working with uh, Mark Taruki, who's a, a cycling coach out of uh, Tulsa, and uh, the way he's communicating his workouts to me is through Training Peaks. And I got a calendar full of dots. Um, and interestingly, the hardest workouts for me are the ones that say active recovery. Yeah, what's that, right? I just, I feel, and I, 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 I made the mistake and I didn't respect the active recovery. And then I was way too cratered to do a real workout on Saturday. So I had to like cash it in at 10 miles and... <laughs> <laughs> and wow, stretch was, and foam roll. <laughs> that was a real... Let me tell the story the way Colin said it. So, dude, we do this indoor ride. Harley's just cranking. Like, the Watsu... It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how well he was... He was hammering 
I bike. couldn't believe it either. Hammering the bike. And I'm like, dude, man, dude. And then we came in on Saturday. I'm doing this voice because that's Colin. That's like, exactly how Colin yeah, sounds. This, uh, this is how you sound, dude. <laughs> Hang on. So I come in on Saturday, and I'm like, what's better, dude? Can't ride anymore? And Harley's over here just on the foam roller for the rest of the day. So I, uh, I've reached a, a point in my experience as a, as a cyclist that some days it's okay to get off and stretch and foam roll. Because then I went in on Monday. I had an active recovery again on Sunday night. And then I, I felt great the whole rest of the week. So, yeah, did my ego take a blow after having a killer workout early in the week, but then not respecting the training schedule and not really observing uh, an active recovery workout? Yeah, my ego hurt, especially because, yeah. you know, Colin and I are locked in this Completely unspoken, but extremely competitive uh, eternal dance that we're battle. doing. Yeah, like, you know, neither of us would ever really admit it to the other, but we're super competitive with each other for no reason um, other than we're, we're us. Uh, so, yeah, did, you know, watching him do a recovery ride and, you know, crush the, crush the bike and me have a workout to do and just be like, there's nothing in the tank. Did my yeah. ego hurt, suffer a little bit? Hell yeah. And as high as I was riding, when I felt like I was just like killing him and he's looking over at my Watts and going, what is going on? Like as high as that high was, the low of not being able to even do the workout because I didn't respect the training schedule was just as low. Yeah. You know, and as I dive in this and teaching myself the same thing, we're our own worst enemy in these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so having a training plan, but knowing that too, I mean, that's how bike races work as well. If you come out of the shoot in a bike race, my biggest mistake in race strategy is that I just say, I'm going to go as hard as I can the entire time. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be less <laughs> and less hard as the race goes on. Right. But hopefully I have created such a gap that no one can, can bridge it. Bridge it. Yeah. And I found out last year that people can bridge it. And that's when you start to look at second when you comfortably had first. So, yeah. you know, we, we need to learn these things. And, and we have to understand that Athletes at this level, endurance athletes, are always on the line of this body is going to either shut down or maintain this peak level performance. Mm-hmm. And we can't be on that line the whole year. Yeah. We have to be able to be You have to time them, right? Yeah. We yeah. time our peaks. So. Yeah. so, yeah, last week was rough, but this week I, I incorporated more training and I feel more recovered going into a workout tonight, active recovery tomorrow, another workout on Saturday. So, yeah, did last Saturday suck? Yeah, it was, it, I hated it. I hated going, ten, having this, this sick workout and like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then having to, barely making it through the warm up and going, I guess a better stretch and foam roll. But what'd you do? You stretched and foam rolled instead of, oh, I guess I'm, I'm just going to go home. Right? True. Yeah. You know are. what I mean? Like, yep. And that's the athlete, right? That's that yeah. guy that's committed to this goal that says, because. November, that would happen. and be like, dude, I'm done. I'm out. I'll, yeah, I'll right. see you later. Lock the door on your way out. Yeah, yeah. Later. Make sure it's shut. <laughs> you know? And, but no, now it's stretch and foam roll. Yeah. So. So, yeah. And, and I think that's going to be, that's the hardest thing for me. And I, even this week, I've been really good about just doing the side work. You know, the rolling the uh, silverware of, of training, you know? Yeah. And nobody wants to do the side work because it's not, it doesn't put up the, the impressive numbers or you know, whatever it is. But, you know, as, as I age, I realize that you just can't like, 
you got to stretch, you got to foam roll, you got to do all those things. You got to build that into the, into the schedule. Um, and even with me taking the extra time this week, I still haven't been as good about it as I should have been. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying the age thing since I have a birthday on Sunday and I'm absolutely terrified of being older and I want to just <laughs> pause life because I'm pretty stoked on exactly right now. Um, but so thank you for having me just stare down the barrel of that one. I, I didn't, I mean, that's, you choose to do what you choose to do with age. Yeah, no, I will internalize it. I'll swallow <laughs> it. I'll act like it doesn't bother me. And at home tonight, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who are, who are bugged by age. You can't, you can't fix it. You can't stop it. So whatever. No, I know. It's completely <laughs> irrational. But you know what? When I rode the Cocapelli Trail mm-hmm. solo from Fruita to Moab, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I camped by myself. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, you know what my fears were? They weren't like... Anything of, there was nothing real about my fear. Like uh, the realistic animals that are out here are going to come and maybe I mess them up. The abstract. It was, I hope the psycho freaky murderer that's out here in the bushes doesn't come and hack me up in the middle of my sleep. (laughs) So my fears are completely irrational. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I have a lot more for today. Um, I think we should give uh, Troxler a quick little shout-out. I'll let you do that. Um, Yeah, so one of the coaches at E3, Emily Troxler, has a concept that she's been doing both with her in-gym training and with now her podcast that she's just recently launched. But her whole goal, her mission in life, is this idea of empowerment and the fact that any of us can be a beacon of empowerment if we're just willing to be a little vulnerable and share our story and continuing to pursue passions that define us. And so she had me on her podcast talking about how I created E3 Fitness. And when she asked me that, she asked me that as an employee, right? So I don't know if she was expecting a very well laid out, like, man, that's my leader. That was so amazing how you put that all together. <laughs> Response? Working for the wrong company, sweetheart. Yeah, she found <laughs> out very quickly that it was a, just a kind of an idiot from day one, yeah. but passionately sold well, out. So. And I listened to it, and it was, I think, there's... For somebody who admittedly isn't the most organized person, I tend to view people who are extremely organized and have a little bit of like envy of that. And uh, whereas things that I get involved in tend to have this more kind of, uh, oh, what's the, you know, just the, the kind of Forrest Gump accidentally stumbling into stuff kind of thing. Yeah. And so listening to the podcast was uh, really cool. Um, again, even with all the years that you and I have been friends, I, there's still bits and pieces of the puzzle that haven't been filled in and not for any reason other than they just haven't come yeah, up. Yeah. Um, so kind of hearing the, uh, the, the opiish way <laughs> of, <laughs> of stumbling into to the, uh, to, to gym ownership and then, um, understanding how you and Clint linked up and, and, and you know, having friend, been friends with both of you for a while now, I didn't even really know much of that. So it was cool uh, to kind of get some background there. Um, and then for anybody that needs an additional little, like, stinger reason to, to catch that, there was a little short segment about psychotic people who throw cupcake cupcakes at people on cardio oh yeah yeah if so you're, yeah we won't we won't go into it because it it's worth listening to the podcast overall but that one little piece about coaches throwing cupcakes at people 
on cardio equipment was completely psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a part of that. No, no, but no. But we did reference it. So no, it was referenced. Her podcast is called Journey to Empowerment, and uh, you can find it, obviously, everywhere podcasts are. So check that out, and she's got a lot of cool stories on there. And as we go through to the next episodes, we're going to start to have some, some topics here where we're really going to investigate not only our path on this journey to the Breck Epic, but also what goes along with it. So um, we're going to talk about some ideas of... Some ideas. We got some... Um, I call it lifestyle business ownership. Totally. Um, and I think that'll... I think there's a lot of people who think that to open a business, um, the goal is to get rich and retire young and you know leave a pretty corpse or whatever that whole silliness is. Um, most of the people that I know and most of the people that I think that we're surrounded by would fall into that lifestyle business ownership. They, they're they pursuing um, an industry or a, a sector that they're passionate about that allows them to participate in and be around people that they enjoy being around, making a living, but not having any illusions of driving a Ferrari. Right, yeah, no, uh, no. <laughs> so that's what we're gonna talk on next, and so our next episode will be just about it. But, because we share that, right? Yeah. And, and we are fortunate because we kind of share it together and we get the benefits of each other's yeah, businesses yeah. and lifestyles. And so, yeah, I'm definitely not in a Ferrari, but man, I'm jacked about all the cool stuff that we're able to do. Yeah. And, and these businesses allow us to do yeah. them. And so there's, it's, it's one of those things, right? You find out the meaning of life oftentimes mm -hmm. towards the end of that. Right. And you look back and you go, man, I really wish. I mean, how many of you right now would like to have a conversation with the high school version of yourself or like the grade school version of yourself and be like, I'm going to give you a few pointers here, boy. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like with a lifestyle-based business, we're, we're almost respecting those lessons in how we spend our yeah, day to day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll cover what are some of the other ones. Um, we talked about this idea of, of moving from, you know, there's a lot of studies and there's a lot of research and there's a lot of information out now that you can read about between training and diets and workouts and gear and all these things. And they just seem like they're for the elitists, right? Mm -hmm. For the best of the best. And many times I think we cut ourselves short and we don't use those things or we don't think that they apply to us. We're just like, oh, that's cool. And there's an opportunity for us even as middle of the road wreck dudes to really enjoy some of that uh, and take ourselves seriously. We'll call that one the, uh, the treat yourself episode. Treat yourself. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think we can put a little bow on this before we, uh, before we wrap up um, the last episode uh, had a little bit of music attached to it and I think we'll continue using it. Um, and I just wanted to make mention of, it's not a current band, but it's uh, my friend Mike's, uh, a project he worked on back in New Orleans called Mutiny. Uh, it was him and um, a friend of his, uh, this guy Jared, who I loosely knew, but two of my very close friends, Mike and Brian, were very close with Jared. Um, Jared passed away super unexpectedly last year. Um, and so I just wanted to make mention of his name, the music, give a big thanks to them. And, uh, and yeah, just say thanks for letting us use the music for the, for the podcast. Dude, that's awesome. And for those of you that didn't know that story, hey, that's great. Listen to the words, man. You know, the first time I heard it, I was like, 
oh, that's some good music. And they listen to the words and it's like, dude, that resonates exactly with kind of what we're trying to accomplish. So the name of the song is Hug Punch, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so figure that one out. <laughs> you just do with that what you will. But uh, I think that's enough for right now. Yeah, let's enjoy that listen and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. Everyone was in it together. With a